Alternative Radio. Coming up, our boys are steel while the tank is just iron. It's 1982 and Fatah is making hell for the Israelis in 2009's film Lebanon. Saddle up, fellas. All this in an ammo can to piss in this week on For Screen and Gundre. Yes, hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Brendan, get out of the tank. Get out of that Abbott tank, Brendan. And he fell down the side. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to be here with you. We are today coming to you live from the southern border of Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, We are doing a live episode. We just showed up in a tank. It's now, to be fair, it is a a British Abbott uh, tank, a piece of field artillery, or mobile artillery, really. It was all we could get. Brendan did his damnedest to get a Shoat tank, an actual Israeli tank, but uh, he failed. So blame him. You can send your comments too for screening country at gmail.com to blame Brendan for not getting the tank that we needed for today's show. Yeah, you know what, Jason? You're not the boss of me. So you know what you can do? You can uh, you can shove a tank up your hoo-ha is what you can do. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. That's them's, them's the breaks, okay? Them's the breaks. Speaking of breaks, um, that we just hit in this tank that we don't have, um, it is uh, <laughs> it, it it is time to do a podcast here. We we are a podcast. We are for screen and Gundra. and I am Brendan, and I am Jason. And uh, Jason, uh, we talk about uh, some things on this show. Currently, we are talking about, in fact, the 100 greatest war movies of all time, according. Oh, yeah, we are. According to Paste Magazine. Um, yeah. That is their will. That is their way. That is their final word. We shall not interfere, other than to completely disregard and rearrange the list and maybe pick movies that we talk about. Eventually, that are not on the list. We might swish it around a little bit. We may. You know, Brendan, you know they say Paste Magazine. What? I say, Brendan, you know they say Paste Magazine is actually the new soldier of fortune. Mm, I've heard that. It's the foremost foremost information on warfare and warfare-related topics. So what's the new Jet Magazine? Uh, Playboy. (laughs) And what's the new uh, Hustler? Uh, Vogue. Teen Vogue. Oh, wow. That's going to cause some issues. So no, look, they're doing some great journalism. <laughs> I love the articles. Um, this week, uh, <laughs> we're of course we're getting we're getting to the we're getting nitty and we're getting gritty and we're getting in a tight space. We're getting in a tank and we're going to Lebanon. We're already in Lebanon. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about the movie Lebanon. But before we do that, we uh, should read some comments from our listeners regarding last week's film, and that was of course Air Force. So let's take to the skies, Jason. Yes. One more time. Boom, 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 boom. Make way for Prince Ali. No, we're not doing that. Is that is that from Aladdin? Yeah. It's oh, see, because we're talking about planes, Brendan, and you go to Aladdin for screen and Disney. Well, look, if we're talking about planes, we got to talk about 
O-E-A, tailspin, O-E-O, tailspin, friends for life through thick and thin in another tailspin, spin it, oh, let's begin. You see what I'm saying? Why haven't they done a live action tailspin movie with John Goodman? I would be fucking in the front row for that. John Goodman, but just not animated, John Goodman wearing like a bear suit. And not any bear suit, like a like a furry suit, like a really fake looking bear suit, extremely fake mascot looking, the worst, <laughs> in a khaki shirt and a fucking pilot's cap. Anyway, comments from Air Force. Let's talk about them. Jason, our first comment is from Adam Adam Jerez, and Adam says, having watched this movie a few months ago, I felt the movie was too long for a movie that seemed very generic and honestly very forgettable, with no performances that stuck with me. That's fair, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I enjoyed that movie, but I can understand how somebody would see that. It's a lot of uh, very similar looking white guys. Uh, st- uh, there's not really too many of them. St- well, the, the one guy stands out, the guy from Brooklyn. I will give the movie a little bit of credit in that they really, I think this movie really made an effort in trying to separate the very similar looking white guys in that. I knew John Garfield. I knew the pilot. I knew the gruff guy whose son had uh, had died later in the movie. And and of course our favorite character the the Disney the Disney pilot who's like oh my gosh I can't wait to go to war Ooh, howdy <laughs> boy howdy it's gonna be quite an adventure boy did he ever get killed yeah I mean and this was a movie made during the war that was forced into production and they wanted to get it out in time for the anniversary didn't quite make it but like <laughs> it's not exactly like quality was necessarily their primary objective with this film right. Our next comment, Brendan, comes from our old pal, Adam Pellman, our pal, the Pellman, and he writes, a rousing war film with a great cast. I love John Garfield and Harry Carey in this one, and it's got outstanding cinematography by James Wong Howe. Mm-hmm. It does look cool. Again, I, I believe I said at the time, and I stand by it, that the final like like attack sequence in this movie is extremely well done and was probably pretty mind-blowing in 1942, uh, three, 1943. Yeah. Anyways, whenever it came out, like, must have blown some heads because I was pretty impressed. I I was just surprised that they actually had uh, Harry Carey in the film. And when he went up to John Garfield and said, Cubs win, Cubs win. That was surprising to me. I thought we made that joke on the episode and you're doing it again. I don't think we did. And if even if we did, I don't care. All right. Fair (laughs) enough. Moving on. Fine, moving on. Sharon Harwat, not available this week. So, uh, Brendan, who's our next comment from? <laughs> I was confused. I was like, that's not on my uh, on my list here. Um, our next comment is from, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mar- Maria Moyer? Marja or Maria? Yeah. Mara. Sorry if I've got Mara. that wrong. Uh, but but uh, Maria does say, I'm always open to watching John Garfield, but haven't seen this one. In the spirit of Sharon Horwat, yeah. thank you. Hey. Sharon never ne- Sharon never says, oh, I'm open to watching this. She just is like, oh, I haven't seen it. That's true. She doesn't tell us how open or not open she is to watching a film. And that's that's, that's right always up. been a, a, a personality flaw, I feel, in Sharon. For sure. In, in future, uh, Sharon, we pre- uh, prefer a percentage uh, chance that you might see a given film that you have not seen. I would also like a percentage chance um, on if how, how likely you are to rewatch the film. Absolutely, absolutely. We need these stats because we're going to start a gambling thing, and I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I figure if I have a bunch of percentages, we can make it work. Well, what I've heard is it's it's super legal to just run it out of your house, so that's a, it's good that we've got that all set up. Look, gambling is the oldest and most respected profession in human history. Right. Gambling and prostitution, baby. Hey, gambling came first, because what do you think was on the line? 
ass. Our next comment, Brendan, comes from Matt Stillman. I saw it, and I thought it was pretty great. I was going through Oscar winners for best editing and hadn't heard of it before, but generally liked director Howard Hawks and star John Garfield. I'm not a war film expert, but it worked for me. I think that's basically where I end up with. I like the movie, but I'm not a I'm not an expert. But you know what? It was it was all right. I wonder how good. I wonder what the success rate in terms of quality is to go through Oscar winners for best editing. That's a fascinating question. That's a I, I like that. That's a niche. That's a niche podcast right there. Yeah. Look, we could call it. Uh, uh, how did this get made? <laughs> how, how did this get cut? How did this get cut? Yeah, for... I mean, how did this get made would be a legit title oh, for sure. For screen and cut tree. Uh? Sounds like we. It's a pro circumcision podcast. It's Brendan. a pro British circumcision podcast. <laughs> we think that all British people should have the end of their knobs lopped off. Listen, we're not talking about taking the whole thing; just a little nibble off the knobble. Yes, yes, you don't need it after all, and uh, we have uh, certain purposes for those nips off the knobs, and I can't say what. Reginald, tell me this, and I know you're a 48-year-old man about to get a nibble mm. off your novel, but are you going to use yes. the whole novel? Well, you know, I've, I certainly have tried, but it's, uh, most likely it generally doesn't happen. You, 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 you won't miss the little nibble on your novel, of course. No, 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 no. My my wife's genitals are quite shallow, so I, I shouldn't have an issue. Yes, and, and how many times do you even make love, Reginald? I mean, come on. Oh, sometimes it could be as much as once. In a lifetime. A whole lifetime? And scene. Well, thank you for listening to our comments. Thank you for submitting your yes. comments. Thank you for the four people that have seen this movie. Uh, the three people that have seen this movie and the one for telling us that they are open to watching open. it. Open. They, they at least know who John Garfield is. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't like Mondays. Um, but you know what I like, Jason? I like talking about this week's movie. So we're going to move on, and we're going to start talking about Lebanon, the movie. Lebanon, about, 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 Lebanon, huh, 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 huh. Riding down the street in your tank, aiming around, looking at all the civilians. Wondering if you should pull the trigger. Maybe you should, or you shouldn't. That's your decision. Lebanon, about, 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 Lebanon, ha, 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 ha. We're in a tank. While I love the chorus, I feel like they could have uh, workshopped the um, the verses a little bit in the theme. Look, it's directly translated from Hebrew, so oh, okay. d- don't take it up with me. <laughs> okay, I won't take it up with you. But you know who I will take it up with? Lebanon. Oh. is This is a movie. It's number 71 on this list, on this top 100 list. Came out in 2009. Um, Jason, I would tell you uh, the stars of this movie, but I'm just going to say right now, uh, and this is no slight on anybody in this movie, uh, we are dumb North Americans. Yeah. Uh, we probably wouldn't know any of these people by their name, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, we've got uh, uh, Yoav Donat as Shmulek. These are the people in the tank. Uh, we've got okay. Ite Tiran as Azi. Now Shmulek is the um, Shmulek he's is the, the firer, the the shooter. He's the aimer. Yeah. The aimer, yeah. Um, Azi is the leader of sorts. He he's the officer. The he's officer. the commander of the tank. Although he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of respect in there from his troops. Yeah, Michael Moshinov. Michael Moshinov is Yigal, who is the driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't want to tell me. Anybody else? So just give me one second. Ashri Cohen is Herzl, who is okay. the loader. 
Um, and and Zohar Strauss is Jamil, who is the uh, the guy that's outside of the tank the whole time communicating he, with he's them. He's their CO. He's their commanding officer. I'm just dumbing down the terminology for the people like <laughs> me that don't know what any of this means. Uh, you know what they always say about him, though? You don't mess with the Zohar. <sighs> wow. This is a great way to start. <laughs> um so so yeah we're gonna talk about this uh this this year movie jason had you even heard of it, this movie's existence no i had no idea this movie existed i was not super familiar with the war itself the mm-hmm. 1982 lebanon invasion you were aware of the country um, of lebanon i was aware of the existence of the country of lebanon i was also aware of the existence of the country of israel mm-hmm. whom i recognize Wh- whom you what whom i recognize who you recognize yeah, I recognize Israel. There's a lot of Arab countries that don't. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like you just looked at it and you were like, oh, I know you. You're oh, Israel. that's Israel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's Israel over there. <laughs> hey, you see that? You, hey, you, that's, our, that's our old pal Israel. You, you talk to hey. you know Israel. By the way, Israel is a place, is one of those places I would love to visit someday. It's absolutely gorgeous there. Yeah. Just so you can uh, use it for political points. Sure. I'll probably stand in this town square and tell them that their government's full of assholes. Yeah, there you go. So, Jason, why don't you uh, tell us, of course, there ain't much to uh, kind of summarize this with, but just just tell us what this is basically, what this movie's basically about. Well, let's just, a quick bit of background. There was a civil war in Lebanon from 1975 to 1980, I guess. 1981, thereabouts. Um, I think this uh, is, well, I think this takes place in 82, so I think it was still going on at that point. I, I well yes I, I think there had been a there had been a ceasefire called at a certain point between the PLO and uh, AKA and Fatah you know the, as well uh, between them and and whoever else they were fighting with which I guess was between the south and the north right mm. between the northern part of Lebanon and southern Lebanon just like the American so, Civil War so I guess as I, I as I understand the PLO the Palestinian Liberation Organization at the time was very active and very aggressive and and committing terrorist acts against the Israelis. And they were doing them from, they were operating out of Lebanon. Mm -hmm. So they were operating out of a country. Cause I don't like looking at the the entry for this war on Wikipedia. It doesn't seem like the Lebanese government at all was involved in this war. It was Israel and their uh, Christian Arab allies in the region against uh, the PLO and Syria of all people. But uh, so they had this civil war. There was a, a, a ceasefire called, and it was during that. I think it was during that ceasefire that Israel decided to invade Lebanon to deal with the PLO problem there, the Fatah problem, mm-hmm. maybe at its source. And so uh, now this invasion lasted. I think the actual war part of it lasted from 1982 to 1985, and then Israel occupied the south of Lebanon until the year 2000. Oh wow. Yeah, so it was a. I, I, and when I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, I do remember back then as a teenager watching TV and talking about how Lebanon was like finally like the Israel or Israelis were leaving and they were going to have elections and all this stuff." So that's where we were. So this, but this movie takes place at the very start of the land invasion, and it follows a crew of a Shoat tank, which is based on the British Centurion tank. Uh, this tank crew that is supporting infantry, commanded by Jamil, and they are going into Lebanon, and their objective is pretty simple. They got to get to uh, a local town that has been um, leveled by the Air Force, 
and they have to get through the town and get past the town and get to the there's a hotel uh, or a town called St. Tropez which I believe is where a lot of people go on vacation. So or at least it by, was at one time. Leveled by the Air Force. So you're saying that the, the crew in our last movie leveled that town? Yes. The, the, all those B-52s flew overhead and uh, destroyed what was uh, this little village. Good on you, Chester. That's the American dream. So, yeah, so they're in the tank. They're supporting every tree, and they're moving through the town to basically clean up and uh, secure the town and then move on to St. Tropez. So that's it's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> and but you have to understand the conceit of this movie is that it the the entirety of this movie with the exception of the opening and closing scenes takes place within the confines of this tank. Yeah. And the only time you see outside is either we just see the light enter the tank when someone is coming mm-hmm. into the tank from the top yep. or um we see it through the scope which it's either night vision or you see some stuff during the day, but it's all through the scope. We're we're never scope. we're never outside of the tank. We are seeing we are experiencing the war, I guess, as these tankers are experiencing the war. We, through, because yeah, three of the four guys don't see shit. Mm-hmm. They're just you know, Assy commands it, tells them what to do. Herzl loads the gun. Uh, Yiggle drives, and and it's up to Shmulek to aim and to pull the trigger. And that's one of the interesting things about this is watching these guys. Smulik clearly is new to this. He's never fought in a war before. I don't think most of them have. No. Um, and he's a guy struggling with having to pull the trigger because he has the trigger there. He's He aims, but he can also fire, and he's expected to. And we see that a couple of times throughout the movie where – he hesitates. The first major encounter, he hesitates. There's a car driving at their line with all their um, soldiers. They've been instructed to, if a car doesn't stop, to give them a warning shot, then shoot the engine, and then fuck them up if that doesn't stop them. And Shmulek gives them the warning shots, but he can't bring himself to fire. And then we have a scene where the Israelis get into it with the car, and they manage to stop the car, but one of the soldiers ends up getting shot and uh, dies pretty Horribly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So his trajectory is kind of like following him as he's, as he's dealing with that, because when he finally does shoot, um, well, like in the next scene, I believe he, he throws a, a, a smoke bomb into, <laughs> into a building where wipes out almost an entire family. And, and then he's like, like just imagine how fucked up like he he couldn't shoot the car and then when he's like okay 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 i'll shoot he ends up you know taking out a family so that's gotta fuck with your head a little bit oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean this guy's thrust into this and all of a sudden he's having to make these like moral calculations in his head and he can't handle it right out the gate and of course jamil is getting pissed about it but for a superior officer jamil is pretty like He's very threatening, but he does. He's like, look, I'm not going to say anything about this, but you've got to get your guy on the ball because <laughs> we need this. Yeah. We need the support. Yeah. It's so just right off the bat, though, when you said that we're in this tank, we never leave the We never leave the tank. The camera never leaves the tank. We Like I said, if we see no. the outside, it's all through the through the gun, through the, the, the gun in the tank, through the aimer. Um, that part is incredibly effective, I thought. Mm. Like, I, yeah, it. I feel like I'm in the tank. (laughs) Yeah. It it gives you kind of a, like literally a first person view of what's going on Mm -hmm. in this situation. Like with the tank rolling down the street, you got the infantry guys in front of you and they're like aiming all around and keeping each other covered and stuff. Like it's very visceral. 
And then him being able to switch between the zoom levels, which I, you know, certainly in video games, you always do that. But I guess you can do that in real life, too. Yeah, I don't know. And, but it, it works because it, it's it's um because there's not a whole lot of music. Like there's some music sometimes just kind of like in the background a little bit. But yeah, incidental like ambient stuff to kind of like set the mood. But, but most of it is like you hear the like like we heard in the intro. We hear the like whirring of the tank and that. Mm. Yeah. That's really good, Breaking right? Breaking in the hydraulics of the turret moving around. Did I, did I do it perfectly? You did it perfectly, Brendan. I, 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 for a second, I was like, wow, did he just play the sound clip? Are we in a tank? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it, so. The, the, it's it's mostly that. There's a little bit of, uh, like you said, incidental music, like background music, kind of to just set the set the tone or whatever. But it's, it's mostly that. And it kind of – and they just throw you right in. There's no, like – slow build up there's two shots there's two shots that bookend the movie and they're almost identical the difference is the first shot is just the whole field of like it's a field of flowers and i think you can tell that they've been some of them have been flattened you know some of them are falling off but it you know it's just a field of flowers there's nothing else really and then at the end of the movie spoiler alert it's a field of flowers again but now we see the tank in the middle of it and yeah. it's such a good like was- juxtaposition Right, yeah. it's like this beautiful field of flowers and this fucking army tank right in the middle. Yeah. Like, couldn't be two any different, uh, more different images to combine in that last shot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and we have a fascinating dynamic between the crew because we've got Assie, who's the officer who doesn't have a whole lot of respect in his tank, which is a problem. Yeah, uh, Herzl is always questioning him. Herzl is a, a little bit of a, I don't know, I wouldn't call him a know-it-all, but I think he's one of these guys that maybe thinks he's smarter than he is. But he's not exactly maybe tuned for the military. He's a guy that asks too many questions and, and challenges Assy on maybe too many things The for a soldier. Well, I wonder, but, too, if it's like an age thing because even at the beginning Herzl points out I'm older than you to Assy. Like he points out right away. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm older than you. Like, as if like, as if to say like, I don't have to respect you. You don't, you haven't had the life experience that I've had. But I also think part of that might be like, I get the sense that they've been friends for a long time. Like that they've known each other at least for a long they've time. They've known each other for a long time so, because at some point Herzl says, you're not my friend. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the I'm older than you is like is like a callback to childhood of like mm-hmm. I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah. Just that's how it's always been. I'm I'm smarter cuz I'm older. Well, Jason, it's it's weird. It's another thing that was touched on in All Quiet on the Western Front. Remember that guy who was doing uh the mail that when he went to war, he suddenly was these the these kids superior yeah. and suddenly it turned him into a completely different person, right? Yeah. So he he made the transformation that was necessary. He made the transformation that Assi hasn't made. Right. To be able to like effectively lay down the law and be like, look, we're in a whole different situation now. I'm not your fucking friend anymore. I'm your commanding officer and you do the fuck what I say. Now, I wonder if this has something to do with the response to the movie, because a lot, as you might expect, because this movie didn't show the, you know, the Israelis marching in and heroically saving the day and rah, 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 let's go, let's go, it's, you know, 100%. Um, some citizens had issues with it. They tried to censor it. Um, I know that, um, and I wonder if this is part of it, just like the movie's kind of taking shots at maybe the unpreparedness of some of these people that they forced, I don't know about forced to enlist, but they enlisted. And yeah. and like maybe like lack of training, you know, um, the, the constant well, bickering. A comp- 
Israel is a country where there is required service. Now, okay. I don't think that that means you have to do military service, but you do have to do some sort of service. And military is mostly what people do. That's why, you, you like somebody like Gal Gadot, for instance, she did her time in the IDF because she's Israeli. Um, right. So these guys may just be conscripts. Like, they may have been in here because they have to serve their time. I mean, we don't get a sense of how old they are. But as we know, people in the past look way older than they do now. Well, this so movie was... They, they, um, for all I know, they're all 20 years old. I mean, this movie was made in 2009, Jason. It's not that old. Yeah. No, I know. But I'm, I'm saying like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's a period piece, right? It's set in 1982. And they're in this tank. Things and this were different tank, there, like a foreign country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're all smoking cigarettes all the time. So Plus, they're inside a fucking tank. And this tank is gross. This is not a nice tank to be That's in. the other thing, too. I would say that's another thing they probably latched on to as well with the criticisms because they're saying, like, hey, they had some outdated technology, too, probably. They had some, some shit that wasn't in the greatest shape. They had situations where they probably murdered civilians, by the way. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> you know? Like, they, they just... I, I think... It, I think it, seemed, it looks to me it's, like, the same thing as when we were talking about Platoon when that movie points out, like, atrocities committed by American soldiers sometimes. I'm mm. sure there's... Very very staunch conservatives in the States at the time um, that were saying, you know, fuck this movie, get rid of it. This is bullshit. Uh, Americans were heroes. You know what I mean? It's just the same kind of thing, but over there. It's it's just those people that want to put their head in the sand and ignore the horrible things that their country has done. And if this world's going to make any progress, I'm sorry to get up my soapbox here, but if this world is going to make any progress, we especially we in the West, and when I say we, I also mean like white people in general, we need to acknowledge the horrors that have been committed. We need to we, we need to deal with that. We can't just pretend that everything's all fucking roses. Like, we're from Canada. Canada has this reputation, especially amongst Americans, of being super polite and nice and everything. But we did just as horrific things to our minorities, to our native peoples, to our black peoples, as the United States did. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to acknowledge that because if we can't acknowledge it, we can never heal from it. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. Like, and also, um, I think th- I think when a conser- generally a conservative or someone who has kind of right wing views, um, sees something like this and says, you know, it's anti American or it's anti Israeli or whatever. Mm-hmm. These movies are not even. I think they're just seeing like the criticisms and not looking at the rest of the movie because the movie is not saying these guys are horrible human beings. It's just saying that everyone's flawed. No, you know, these people, are just dudes like you and me. People, these are guys that if they were living here, we would probably hang out with like people are not like people are not perfect. People, people make mistakes. People go to war for stupid reasons many times, you know, and people go to war because they got to like it's their job. It's not a question of whether they want to or not. In the military, you don't get to say mm-hmm. if you go to war or not. You just go fucking do it when they tell you. There, There's something about that, like. Like seeing everyone outside the tank in that way. Like not only are we seeing everything from inside the tank, so we're not getting, we're not like right there outside. So there's kind of a detachment there right away. But also, it's like we see all this, all the civilians we see. We're literally seeing them at the barrel of a gun. Like and and the whole tension is like it would already be tense if we were just there with the soldiers, seeing all these civilians everywhere, thinking like, well, any of them could get shot or killed at any time here, right? But the fact that we're looking at them at gunpoint the whole movie, it just adds to it. I think it just so it's it makes like so much more tension to it. 
Yeah, because a- anytime anybody looks at the tank, they're looking down the barrel of the gun, literally. Yeah. Like there's and, and this is pointed out early on, actually, when Jamil first encounters the tank and he comes up and he's, they're looking at him in night vision and he's got a megaphone. He's like, don't point that shit at me. <laughs> and the guy like swings the thing over. Yeah, there's there's even a there's even a scene. I think one of the one of the most disturbing scenes for me. Is, I mean, obviously the family, it's, it's horrible, but, but there's a subtle one is when they're you see through the tank that they're like going through these buildings and everything. And there's just an old man sitting there. And at the other end of the table is a guy who's clearly been, like, shot in the head and killed. And he's just on the table, like, his face down. And the other old man's just sitting there. You know, he's got this look of, like, oh, he doesn't look happy. But, I mean, he's just kind of, well, it happens. Uh, just looking at this guy and he's just like, well, he knows. He's smart enough to know that right now it's not in his interest to move or do anything. Yeah. But it's also, you can see in this guy's eyes that he's just rein- reinforcing his hate- hatred of the Israelis. Because, you know... In the Arab world, Israelis, not super popular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, just, you know, they did some stuff, too. Like, they're not completely innocent. No, 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 no. Um, Jason, again, I, I'm trying to, like, tiptoe around stuff because I don't know enough and I don't want to say something stupid. But <laughs> well, It's a thing. And, and it's it's one of those things, like, there are lots of arguments to be made from all sides about this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, whether you're pro-Israeli, whether you're pro-Palestinian, whether you're pro-American, there or pro-Lebanese, uh, like there are different, there are different views and different things on it. You know, at the end of the day, Israel exists; it's a country. But what if, and you can't do anything about that, no matter how much you might not like that fact, they exist. What, what <laughs> if I am uh, pro-to-type, John Cena's old gimmick? Well, then you have to get your hair cut, Brendan, because your hair is not at all in the proper uh, 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 arrangement for that gimmick. Oh. Oh. So you're saying if I get my hair cut, I will be in The Suicide Squad and Peacemaker? 100%. Wow. So they're just going to have to recast it. They're going to reshoot it? What are they going to do? Reboot it? Uh, Yeah, no, they're going to reshoot the first season with you. Oh, wow. Can I do the dance? You'll have to do the dance. Do I have to do the dance? It's required. I might be blown up after the dance. <laughs> um, well, okay, and and the other thing too. So we talked like, talked a little bit about how this this movie is kind of critiquing a little bit, you know, self self critiquing a little bit here too. Um, I think one of the biggest moments of that also is when um, uh, Jamil comes into the tank and talks about phosphorus bombs and says, "Listen." Yeah. Due to international conventions, we're not allowed to use phosphorus bombs anymore. So what we're going to do is we're, we're going to call them smoke bombs, and we're still going to use them. Yeah, <laughs> That's, like, the Absolutely. biggest, like, oh, so basically they're telling us not to do it, and we're, we don't fucking care. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's something that's happened. It still happens. Like, weapons that aren't supposed to be used are called different things, and they have different uses. Like, uh, yeah, phosphorus is a good example because white phosphorus as a weapon is illegal under international law. But... You're allowed to use white phosphorus as like uh, to light up battlefields. Like you can fire it into the air and it'll just fucking burn and it'll light everything up. So it's a, it, it also is great for making smoke. Hence so, the smoke bomb thing. So why? At, so why specifically out of all the terrible weapons that are allowed to be on the battlefield? Why specifically is that something that wouldn't be? Well, we talked about this actually in a previous episode uh, during, I think, uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. Not Heartbreak Ridge. Hacksaw that's, Ridge. That's Heartbreak Ridge is a different Some movie. other time, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, because they were using uh, WP grenades to take out Japanese in foxholes. Mm. White phosphorus is stuff that just fucking burns, and it keeps burning. And if it gets on your skin, it'll burn till there's nothing left. Okay. It's a fucking awful weapon, and I have to imagine an absolutely horrific way to die, mm-hmm. but it's super effective. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because the, that, and then that's the other uh, super disturbing moment is when they fire so they fire it from the tank they fire the white phosphorus from out of the tank is that right yeah i think so they have phosphorus shells yeah and they, they fire yeah, it fire. out of the tank into that building with the with the you know with the family and everything because they're trying to ultimately they're trying to kill the people that have them hostage that have them like at, yes, at, the, at gunpoint pal- the Palestinians. terrorists yeah. if you will and we know they're terrorists because they're wearing uh, uh uh like wraparounds on their heads <laughs> right but like when when they do that and then the only one that survives is the is the mother and she and you could you could see like half her body like she got some of that phosphorus not enough to burn all the way yeah. through her but she's got huge burn on the side of her back and she's like uh, walking around yelling, asking for her daughter, like where, where her kid is. And I think she knows full yeah. well that they're all dead, but she's just, just, it's gone. She's done. She's done with the world. You know what yeah. I mean? And then she starts kind of attacking Jamil. And I was, I was afraid Jamil was going to knock her down and shoot I, her. Cause Jamil already executed a civilian. Yes. Um, well, it, so, that was a case where I think that person would have died slowly if he had not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, he, in one of the few moments of humanity, he, like, grabs a blanket because her clothes had caught fire and she had to pull her clothes off. So she's basically naked. Yeah. And so he pulls up a, a, a blanket or something to throw over and says, get down. It's it's dangerous. And basically tells her to get on the ground. Like, but does so in a nice way. And it's and it's a small moment. And it's really, there's, in a, in a place that's bereft of humanity, it's a little moment of humanity. Even though, you know, he's responsible for just having her family murdered. Yes. Uh, also, there's there's another moment the, the the moment you mentioned where he um he ends up executing someone. That's a moment again where um Shmulek decides to fire and he ends up firing on a truck that just has a bunch of chickens and and like a farmer. Yeah. And yeah, and and blows this guy apart. Like we see this guy on the ground. He's missing his legs and an arm. He's fucking ripped apart. And that's why. And I think that's why in that scene, I mean, Jamil does the. I guess does the merciful thing and and kills him yeah. because like I don't think he would have survived like it would, would they wouldn't be able to get him out of there to a hospital. No, no. Um. So I mean, there's two. It's interesting that we see him do that, and then we also see him mercy kill someone later. Um. Two sides to Jamil, you might say. Uh, we also it's have a real, at one point. So it's a real uh, Doctor Jamil and Mister Hyde. Yeah, you might say that, and you just did. Uh, we also have a couple of different interesting moments in the movie. We have one where, so after Shmulek, uh doesn't fire early on and results that soldier getting killed, they take that soldier's body and put it in the tank. And they basically have this body with them for a good chunk of the movie until yeah. finally a helicopter shows up and takes it away. That's a, that's another thing too is they keep like there's they keep bringing things into the tank. Like the tank is already you can see that there's like fucking water on the ground. There's water inside of it. Water and oil, both. I think. It's oh just, yeah, it's a mess, and there's fucking cigarette butts and all I'm over sure the place. And at some point, like I can, they end up with like cereal all stuck to everything. You can like, smell the movie. Yeah. Like you, it really comes across. But yeah, you see, like it sure does. The oil and the water and the cigarette butts, and 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 at one point the tank gets shot, and that's when there's cereal pieces everywhere. And then and now you're adding like a dead body to this like whole thing. Like Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then so they end up the, that body eventually gets evacuated by a helicopter in one of the moments where they open the top and we don't see anything. We just see all the air blowing in and they eventually hook the guy on and get him out of there. Isn't that terrifying too? And then later on Sorry, go ahead. But isn't that terrifying too? Like they have to they literally have to stare death in the face while they're while they're doing this. They're literally looking at their possible yeah. future the whole time. Exactly. And then it's just so casual, you know, it's just that's what happens in combat and everybody just has to deal with it. And that's going to fuck with you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, aren't I special? Aren't I worthy of something more than just this? And no, you're not. <laughs> but then we have another scene where they come, uh, they, they, some uh, phalangists, which yes. are Christian Arabs. Thank you. I, I was wondering, I, I was hoping you could explain to me what these phalangists were. Yeah, so Lebanon is generally, I think it's generally a Muslim country. It's generally a Muslim majority. But there are Christians in that country, and some of those Christians were opposition to the government. And I I feel like they may have been, I mean, they have to have been involved in the Civil War. So when Israel invaded, those Christian militias uh, flocked to Israel's side to help them out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get a couple of phalangists in this movie that are supposed to help lead them into town, but they capture a prisoner. Which they find out is a Syrian. Now, they're in Lebanon. There shouldn't be Syrians in Lebanon, but there is. And so they put him in the tank, and uh, the guy basically threatens him in Arabic and tells him that he's going to, like, <laughs> cut his dick off and, and t- tie him between two cars and tear him apart and all this stuff. Of course, they don't understand because they all speak Israel- they, they speak Hebrew and English, right? That's, the, so. that's, that's one of the – that's another scary scene is when the phalangist – one of the phalangists comes in and asks them – asks if any of them speak Arabic and you yeah. think, Oh, he wants to communicate with them. And no, he's finding out because he's going to threaten that prisoner in Arabic. And he doesn't yeah. want any of them to understand what he's saying. Now, clearly Igal, the driver knows a little bit of Arabic. Not enough to know. He doesn't say at that point, yeah. not enough to know exactly what the guy's saying, but he knows enough to like know when the guy wants to piss. Well, I think he even says, uh, I'm, you know, I know a little bit of Arabic and I'm sure he's just reassuring him that he's going to be treated well as a prisoner of war. Yeah, and it's like woof. yeah, because literally when they leave, he, after he threatens this guy, he just goes, he goes, treat this guy well. He is prisoner of war. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so because I read a lot of comments about this movie mm. about people saying like, oh man, when they say the phalangists are on our side, woof, and that just made me wonder, like, so that they have a reputation as being like. Uh, bar- barbaric in nature, like is this? I don't know the reputation of the phalangist militias. Um, I. But you know what? Wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Religious basis for anything can get pretty brutal. And I mean, and you know, I mean, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, there's even Buddhist extremists. Brendan, I didn't think there was, but there fucking is. Wow he he told me to get out of the room. He's a Buddhist extremist. <laughs> <laughs> I it's just spe- it just speaks again to the movie criticizing because these these people the phalangists are on essentially our side our guys side is what they say you know they're yeah. on the they're on the israeli side but i mean the first thing they do like you said is they come in and they and and the guy threatens to torture him in the worst way possible and at first you're like okay well you know he's getting in his face he's getting angry whatever like it's war you, you know you, you want revenge on the guy you want to get the guy but when he starts getting into it you're like okay i don't care who this is this is a fucked up thing to do to someone well i i think part of it is for that phalangist this is a religious war. This is a holy war. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Israelis, I don't think that's the case. I mean, now, obviously, Israel is the Jewish state, yeah. right? But I don't 
I, I don't consider it a Jewish state. It is a, while it is the Jewish state, it's not a theocracy, mm -hmm. right? They don't run the government based on religious rules as much as some of the smaller minorities might want that. Um, so, you know, this is, this is pure real politic, I think. They, they, Israel, the Israelis want to stop the PLO and Fatah, and invading Lebanon is the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but again, for these phalanges, it's much more personal. It's mu it's specifically a religious conflict because the Christian militias are not allying with the Muslims because they're Muslims. They're allying with these Jews. <laughs> and they'll hold their nose and ally with the Jews because apparently working with them is better than working with the Muslims for them. It's such a mess, man. I know. It's fucked up. It's... it's... I mean, you said the the you know this this conflict itself was the seventies to the eighties, and then the occupation was until two thousand. But I mean, this you know uh, Arab and uh, or Palestinian and Israel thing has been going on for fucking thousands of years. Yeah, it has. But also the, the modern Israeli state, you know, once it was established, and then they had the civil war where they took all the land that was set aside for the Palestinians by the UN mandate. Um, all of a sudden, you have this Jewish state that's surrounded by people that hate it, mm -hmm. right? You got Syria, you got Saudi Arabia, you got Jordan at the time. Although Jordan is now like has official diplomatic relations with Israel, Egypt was another big one. Like they're surrounded by people that hated them, and despite that fact, between their own gumption and training and and getting support from the United States in the form of equipment, you know, they were able to hold their own. I mean, the Six Day War is one of the most famous examples of the Israelis just fucking kicking ass. Six days and they fucking took the Golan Heights and the West Bank and all these different areas and they've held them since. Now, whether you agree with them holding them or not, that's not important. The fact that they did it showed that their military was capable of fucking, you know, <laughs> taking on multi-nation alliances. I want to ask something like, because I hear this. It's an impressive force. I, and I think it ties into the movie because it's about this conflict. I want to ask something because I hear I hear this all the time and I can't put my finger on it. And I'm sorry to get up on a, on a soapbox here again like Jason was earlier. But I mm -hmm. have to know why is it, maybe Jason you could tell me this, why is it that Republicans – are always the ones I hear saying we stand with Israel, we love Israel, uh, d up with Israel. Why is why is that so okay. much of their platform? It's an interesting question, Brendan. I'm glad you asked okay. it. Um, because traditionally, when you think of like the evangelical types, the Protestant types, and even the Catholic types, they don't they traditionally haven't really been super fond of Jews, right? Uh, if you look at the history of Christianity, a lot, a lot, a lot of Jew hate. So you wonder why a bunch of evangelical Christians would be interested in supporting Israel, Brendan. Well, I'll tell you, it's the Bible. It's because uh, for the end times to happen, for the final like tribulation, you know, where, where Satan fights Jesus and all that fun Can't stuff, wait, the Israelis have to rebuild the temple. Now, so there was the first temple, which was destroyed. Then there was the second temple, which was destroyed. And after the second temple was destroyed, the, the base of that temple remains. But on the, that base was built the Al-Aqsa Mosque, mm -hmm. which outside of, of Mecca is like one of the most holy places in Islam. So if the Israelis were to try and build a third temple on that site, they would have to take out the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that is a, <laughs> that's a big problem for uh, Muslims uh, because it's very important to them. So, but... The Bible says that if the third temple is built, then that is one of the signs of the coming end times and the triumph of Jesus over evil. So they're not supporting the Israelis because they particularly like Jews. They're supporting the Israelis because they want the end times to come. Okay. 
Hmm. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> so it's so it's tied in, into a bit of a uh, it's tied into religion then essentially. It's tied into like revelations and and like yeah the final battle and all that stuff. Okay, okay. You know if people didn't <laughs> soapbox again, if people didn't. If the, if religion wasn't religion and it was just a bunch of stories, it would be pretty fucking cool. It would. Not that uh, I would agree with everything thing, that happens, but it, there's some there's some stories, and I'm like, that's kind of fucking cool for a movie plot. Oh yeah. Now, Brendan, you know me. I am I am a, I consider myself a passive anti theist. I, I I think I would be happier if all religion disappeared, but I'm also not going to tell people how to live their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I am pretty convinced that even if religion didn't exist. While I do think the world would probably be a better place, uh, humans would definitely find other things to fight about. <laughs> yeah, like plastic versus paper straws. Join the fight. Yeah, and even even like and, and I've often had the idea like, oh well, we'd fight over you know practical things like resources, and yeah, we would, but we would still find fucking bullshit to fight over that didn't really mean anything in the long run it just gave us something to hate each other over. Humans are always going to find some way to justify their shitty views. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Humans, if anything, the humanity is great at one thing, and that is rationalization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Passing the buck, too. God, we love that. We love that, don't we, people? We love that. Oh, we love it. We love not taking any responsibility. You just, if you get a guy that works for you, you just say, hey, this was your fault. And you know what? He takes it, because what's he going to do? You're Trump. <laughs> you, I didn't know who you were until you announced it at the end. Um, Thank you. No, I I always do that with all my impressions, just just to be sure. Yeah, it's me, Brian Cranston. <laughs> That's just one because people don't do a Brian Cranston very often. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I would love to see somebody do a Brian Cranston. I mean, come on, come on, Dana Carvey, you're the pro at finding the hook. Hey, do it's it. me. I do was it. on Breaking. Do a Brian Cranston. I was on Breaking Bad. I'm Brian Cranston. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he cracked. Break it. my bad. <laughs> um. But Jason, you know, we talked a lot about so much of the dour stuff in this movie, um, and the mm. fact that we see every civilian at the at the end of a barrel of a gun. But we also think I think we got to talk about boners and hugging your teacher. <laughs> yeah, Shmulek tells this very long, weird story about how uh, when his dad died, uh, he got hugged by this teacher that he liked, and he got hard from it, and then he got her to hug her again, and she just kept hugging him until he came. I wasn't sure with his story if she knew. I think she knew. And that, that, I think because because she said, "Just go ahead, just let it all out." And I know that's talking about the crying, but also she clearly must have felt that kid's boner, which is <laughs> it made that story very disturbing. Yeah, yeah, very disturbing. I mean, I know. It, but, I think it's. I think it's from the point of view. It's like, yeah, I got to. I got to do that with my hot teacher, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. a teacher <laughs> let a student do that. Oh yeah. It's, it's fucked up from an adult perspective, but from the kid's perspective, it's like, holy shit, this is like the most hot memory of my life, and I will remember it for the rest of my life. Yeah, until <laughs> later, it affects him in ways he can't explain. Yeah, until he gets into therapy and realizes, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was, a, that was an interesting addition, a, an interesting uh, story. I, I was like trying to figure out if the director, if that happened to him or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I didn't find any any Samuel Mao's uh, got raped by his teacher stories. N- nothing out there. Thank goodness. Good. Um, and then we got to talk about the uh, we got to talk about the big finale because mm. the phalangists are supposed to lead them through this city, and then they kind of just like a- abandon them, I guess. 
Yeah, they take off. They're like, no, get out of the city. Go to this place. We got to go. And they think that they, they lost contact with uh, uh, Jamil as well, which they do for a while. And they're stuck in yeah. the city. And the tank's already been fired at. Remember, we talked about that Syrian prisoner earlier. He's the one who actually yes, fired he, on he them. Hit them with a, he hit them with an RPG and blew out a chunk of their tank. A big hole in the tank. And that's when this, why the cereal's yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. But they, they – so they've got the, the prisoners in there. They're in the middle of the city. Um, they don't know where they don't know where to go. All their contact is gone. This tank won't even start again, and now they're being fired at. And then the other thing that this is this is also such a tense scene because they hear music. Yeah, and it's just like it. I think it must be. I'm guessing whoever's attacking them is doing this to just like panic them the fuck out. It's a good move. It's a good psychological move. Um on their part and yeah it would freak me out if I was just waiting in this tank silently and all of a sudden music started playing yeah like yeah that that would fuck with your head <laughs> and you get these like you get these like guttural reactions from these guys in the tank because at one point Yeagle even said even just he straight up says I want my mom yeah these are adult men and yeah. he is like literally crying to be with his mother in this moment like that's yeah. that's how fucking heavy this gets this is, I mean, they all think they're going to die. And so they just hit the gas and start going. And we don't see, again, we, we're inside the tank. We don't see anything that's happening outside. We just hear this tank fucking going and plowing through everything in front of it. And they just hit the gas and they're getting attacked and shot at. And eventually poor Egal gets shot up front mm-hmm. and uh, dies. And, but they just, but the, so somebody else jumps up front, gets the tank going and they just manage to plow through the city until they get outside, until they get away from and the, it. They don't even know where they are. I don't think they're just they just going, go until they don't hear the gunfire anymore. Exactly. And the, and the director really piles it on because that not only does this character die and he's the one obviously right beside the hole that's blown out and that's why he gets shot and killed. But, mm-hmm. um, and even after they tell Jamil that they can't use this tank anymore and he says, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, so I mean, he must feel partially responsible, but also uh, this is a guy who's who's kept asking them to tell his mother that he's okay, and then yeah. at that moment when he dies, they call back to the tank and say, "We've told his mother that he's okay." Yeah, it's like, fuck! I didn't expect this movie. I mean, I didn't think it was gonna be upbeat, but no. I didn't expect this movie to be so crushing. But, but th- there's another there's another intense moment. Uh, I think shortly before this happens, where Jamil is there and he goes outside the tank and he gets on the emergency channel to call in and they're not supposed to listen in, but they tune in anyways on the radio and and he's going off. He's like, "We're fucked. We're stuck here. We need help. You need to get us out here." And then, then uh, like, uh, and they, they say something about you know, uh, dude, dude's mom or whatever, and he's like, "You're gonna need to call my mom too." Yeah, and, and and can you imagine, like, Jamil is supposed to be, because every other scene, he's so solemn, he's so serious, yeah. he's very like, this is the mission, go here, go here, go, don't interrupt me, you can ask questions at the end, any questions, no? Great. Then he comes down, gives the next mission. So to see him, like, emotional like this, and, and not yeah. in control, that's extra, that's extra fucked up. Yeah, you don't want to see that, you don't want to do that in front of your troops, because it will fuck them up. You need to keep morale up. And even if you know it's fucked, you can't let them know it's fucked. <laughs> right. Like you gotta be you gotta be a Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan here. You gotta be stern the whole way yeah. through. You gotta ask them if you ha- if you led a good life, even while you're laying yeah. there <laughs> drawing your last breath. Spoiler alert for that movie that's now twenty five years old. Yeah. We'll get there. Don't worry, we'll talk <laughs> about it, folks. 
I don't know. Is that a war movie? Yeah. I, technically. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that, yeah, he dies, and then like you like we said earlier, the see the movie literally ends with that field of flowers, but then the tanks on it. And that's the first time we see him pop out. We we get a, an outside shot of the tank. He pops out of the cupola. And then the camera cuts back to the wide shot of the flowers in the field and the tank sitting there. And that's where the movie ends. Yeah, we really, we really don't go outside of the tank except at the very end. It's almost, and it's almost like, I don't know about you, Jason, but I'm watching this movie. And when that moment happens, when he pops out, even though it's right at the end and the credits go, I was like, oh, <laughs> like I felt like I was coming yeah. out of the tank. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was an intense experience, and it's just like that final moment of relief, you know. It's almost like we. Um, it's almost like a, some of the movie is like a first-person shooter video game. Yeah, but with a lot, but but like obviously felt a lot more. <laughs> well, it'd be more like a tank video game, I guess. I don't know how many tank video games there have been in recent years. And Jason, but... this just this just fucking um substantiated my my whole thing where i can't play first person shooter video games because i'm watching yeah. this movie and i'm like i'm uncomfortable just watching it <laughs> you get me to be the can't handle it yeah you get me to be the driver the one the one guiding this thing are you kidding me all you got to do brendan is where the where the crosshairs in the middle of the tv just put a little piece a couple pieces of masking tape and you'll be fine <laughs> yeah i'll put a masking tape on my television <laughs> <sighs> Uh, so any other big things you want to mention before we uh, we take a break? No, I think we'll cover that in the upcoming segment. All right. Well, we will get to that upcoming segment, uh, and we will be right back. Hello. It is me, man from IDF. Age of Radio is a good sight. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. We got bits. We got bombs. But mostly we got bits and bombs coming out of a tank to shit you in the face, your stupid face. Here we go with tanks now. Tanks and banks. Our tanks are at the banks. That's where we put them. We deposit our tanks into our banks. The banks are really big. That's how we fit all the tanks. Bits and bobs. Special thanks to Sum41 for providing that song for us. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was actually uh, that was actually the guy from Green Day. You weren't invited, actually. No, no, you weren't. No, I know you used to be 41 years old. That doesn't make you Sum41, the band. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're not gonna. No, you're not gonna. Listen, I know you got cut off at that music festival, and you're only allowed to do five songs. This is not a music festival. You need to leave. Jimmy, can you get Billy out of here? Oh, yeah. Come on, Billy. Get, 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 get your emo butt out of here. Jesus Christ. Take good care of fellas. You can go back to your thing now. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. Oh, before you get into your bits and bobs, Jason, we have a late-breaking uh, news story here. We're going over to Brendan in the field. Brendan, what is the late-breaking news story? Well, Jason, I can report that uh, on our episode where we cover Platoon, if you remember, I had mentioned that there was a movie in which Kevin Costner looks at a little boy's penis. That movie, uh, Adam Adam Jerez has revealed that movie is actually called A Perfect World, which is unfortunately named, uh, judging by the only thing that I mentioned about the movie. (laughs) It is also (laughs) directed by Clint Eastwood. Oh, no. 
<laughs> Does he literally like get down on his knees and we just see like a like like just we just see the kid's ass like out of focus and we just see Kevin Costner staring at it and he goes, "Wow, it really is a perfect world." <laughs> no. <laughs> I believe all that happens is the kid is like, somebody said my penis looks weird, and Kevin Costner's like, oh, come on, let me see it. And then he just unzips his pants, and Kevin Costner's like, that's a pretty good penis, or something like that. It's a, <laughs> that's sol- solid cock, son. It's You're a doing all right. weird fucking scene, dude. You're on track to be swinging a hammer, kiddo. It's basically... A, the, Okay, so here's what it's about. It's a convict. Kevin Costner plays a convict on the run. He ends up uh, on the run with this kid. Clint Eastwood is a is a marshal trying to stop him. I actually, you know what? It's actually a pretty good movie, but it it okay. does have a weird boy's penis scene. <laughs> of course, we don't does. see the penis. I just want to I just want to make oh. that clear. All right, so all good. you perverts and pedophiles listening, don't watch a perfect Sorry. world. You're going to be disappointed. It's not the movie for you, it's folks. Not the movie for you. And by the way, there should be no movies for you. No. Go to jail. I mean, if you if you want to watch the Sandlot, you can. We can't stop you. <laughs> I don't like this is gone, this is gone past the point where I'm comfortable, and I started it. <laughs> you did. So Lebanon, uh, this movie was uh, funded by the Israeli Film Fund. That's interesting. So that's cool. Uh, despite it's maybe less than uh, rah rah remembrance of the 1982 invasion. Well, uh, and maybe the Israeli Film Fund is not directly tied to the government of of it's Israel. possible. Yes, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, this place is oil all over the place. It's dripping oil. There's a there's a scene where I think where is weird to me where Jamil notices that they have like a pinup somewhere in the tank, like of a girl with her titties hanging out. And he gives it a weird look. Wonder if that's and, a, and I thought that that was going to come back and he was going to like moralize to them or something, but it didn't. He just gave it a weird look. He did, and I wonder if that's a a, a religious, a, a quick religious kind of criticizing in his head, and and then realizing, well, there's no time for this. This is this is silly. Yeah. For uh, yeah, a guy who's as practical as that, he's quick to maybe yeah maybe he's just quick to realize it's not worth addressing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wrote, uh, Herzl doesn't understand the chain of command because he constantly is questioning Assy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I like what's um, written on the tank, and you actually mentioned this during the intro. It says, uh, men are made of steel. The tank is only a piece of iron. Yeah. I mean, the tank is just your weapon. It, it's all up to you uh, to be able to uh, stop forest fires. Exactly. Tank doesn't matter much if you don't have the people to operate it, right? That's right, Smokey the Bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like when they're arguing who needs Shmulek's. sleep the most. Yeah, yeah. Which, which eventually, Cece come Assy comes around on later and realizes that he should have left him awake. But Assy has a weird break later on, and we didn't mention this at the time. But he has this moment where he seems like he's in a different. He becomes like almost like a different person. Yeah. And the key is that he starts referring to the phosphorus bombs as smoke bombs. Mm. It's like it's like he's embraced the kind of view of. Jamil and the CO, like when he when he has all that soot on his face and he's shaving, like slowly shaving, yeah. it kind of it kind of. I know this is the second time I've mentioned this without us talking about the movie, but it kind of reminded me of Sam Bottoms in Apocalypse Now, when he's got all yeah. that makeup on his face, when he's got all that war paint on his face, and he's just like staring, yeah. like his eyes are just bug eyed. I mean, mostly because yeah. Sam Bottoms was genuinely really high, but also mm-hmm. it just reminded <laughs> me of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting thing to see. An interesting transformation for him that he's like, kind of like hit his breaking point of some sort or, or he's been broke mm-hmm. by Jamil. I don't know. 
there's a scene where we see through the scope soldiers going into a home and one of the soldiers comes out puking. Yeah. Which makes you think like, oh, God, what did that guy see? Considering all the stuff Horrors. we see that didn't make people puke. Yeah. Yeah. What what the fuck happened in that house? Uh, there's a very sad uh, animal death, I which was upsetting. There's like a donkey. Oh, yes. The poor donkey the, that's on the ground the, and he's blown apart, but he's still alive. And you could see him crying the, like his, the tears that running was down wild. his eye. I actually wrote down, do donkeys cry? Well, I mean, like donkeys and horses and mammals have tear ducts, and yeah, they can definitely cry. I guess like, in that way, they can like like humans though. I don't know if they sit there like like making a noise necessarily, but they definitely could. Like their eyes can tear up. Okay, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a cool shot when the Syrian guy fires the RPG. It's like a direct to camera shot, mm-hmm. and I was afraid that the movie was going to end there. <laughs> Wow, that was that was quick. That was a quick one, uh, but yeah, um, I don't really have a whole whole lot else to say because I was just watching the movie, right? Mm. So I didn't write down a lot of notes by the end of it. Um, one moment, another moment of humanity that stands out is when um, they let the Syrian prisoner piss. Yeah, well, because uh, he's yeah. indicating because Egal is telling them that he needs to piss, and and they don't do anything about it, and then eventually. Is this after Egal is dead? No, I can't remember. No, I, no. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I don't know. I know, he, I know that at the very end of the movie, uh, I'm pretty sure Ozzy had like pisses, but I don't. No, I think it's before. I think it's before. No, because there's a scene earlier where Shmulek is talking about how he has to piss real bad, yeah, and yeah. then after they after everything's done, he goes and pisses in the box. But no, this guy, the Syrian's on the ground, and Buddy has to like pull his dick out and uh, uh, set him up, but he lets him piss in the box, mm-hmm. and it's like. It's a fucked up thing to say, but that is a little bit of moment of humanity there. It is, yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I have, Brendan. What about you? Um, well, the only other thing I I noted was that moment where they start getting paranoid because they think they're not getting the full me- the full message from the Cornelia or their their correspondence. Yeah. And they start saying, like, well, what if they know more and they're just not letting us know? Like, what if they know we're fucked yeah. and they're just not letting us in on it? And then when they hear Jamil getting that message and going nuts, it just like justifies their paranoia. And maybe that's part of why uh, Asi starts getting fucked up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of uh, other stuff here because this is not, this is not one of those, um, one of those movies that a ton of people have seen and a ton of people have written about. But I will say that uh, just two pieces of trivia, um, Samuel Maus, the the director of this movie, and I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but it's M-A-O-Z, Maus, I guess. Um, it took him 25 years to actually be able to physically write a screenplay based on what he witnessed because he was in this war. He was he served during the, the Lebanon War. And yeah. apparently he had said that every, atta- every time he tried to sit down and write a screenplay, it, it made him physically ill. It made him vomit. Yeah. So it took him so long yeah. to be able to sit down and just conjure his thoughts together and and do it um he uh he won this award at the venice film festival and he actually said uh he said in response i dedicate this award to the thousands of people all over the world who like me come back from war safe and sound apparently they are fine they work get married have children but inside the memory will remain stabbed in their soul um yeah he did have 
it was interesting that it was a controversial controversial choice at the Venice Film Festival to pick this movie. We talked about that a little bit because the Israeli government and the reaction to that to the movie. Um, and he said he said he said something about how you know the jury picked it, and that's great. He's like. Hey, maybe if Jane Fonda was on the jury, she they wouldn't have picked it, but she wasn't. And I didn't understand that comment. Oh, was that the? Because wasn't it Vanessa Redgrave that made that comment about the PLOs? No, I think it was because Jane Fonda was the one that went over and sat on the Viet Cong gun and and was like visiting with the Viet Cong during the Vietnam War. Okay. And just it was just she's the go-to of like, oh, look at this trick. We're never gonna forget it, Hanoi Jane. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and you know, not really much else. Like I said, uh, the, the critics, uh, critics-wise, I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a ninety percent. Um, the consensus is a powerful and personal account of war on the front line. Writer-director Samuel Maus takes the viewer inside an Israeli tank to deliver an exhausting original film. Um, Maus, uh, even you know, when he was interviewed about it, he said the point of a film like mine is to open a dialogue to get people talking to each other about important issues. Like you said, we got to talk about this shit to talk about it we if we don't talk about it we don't learn we don't move on we don't progress yeah i mean yeah if we didn't do anti-war vietnam movies what are we doing right like we don't talk about vietnam we don't go anywhere we don't have the protests nothing changes so um, he says this is something he said, yeah, he wants people to talk to each other about important issues he said this is something you can't do if films are boycotted it makes no sense to boycott art um the New York Times described Lebanon as an astonishing piece of cinema, and Variety magazine said Lebanon is the boldest and best of recent Israeli films based on the based upon the Lebanon War. So I would say this is obviously the one that becomes the most well known um, because yeah. it makes it onto this American list, which is pretty impressive. Um, I feel like I feel like Israelis, if they wanted to make movies about wars, something like the Six Day War is a much better, like much more heroic kind mm. of angle to take as opposed to something like the Lebanon war or I mean I, I'm sure they've made movies about the Yom Kippur war which is another one that went badly but um, I don't have I don't know if I have very accurate numbers here but I can tell you that this movie costs roughly 1.4 million dollars American um, was the budget fairly low budget because again we're just in a tank <laughs> um, but I don't know what the box office was like I know it was successful um, but that, that's about it but no Oscars, no BAFTAs. I want to ask you, though, Jason, what'd you think, pal? This movie surprised me. I was not expecting uh, this. Um, you know, when it comes to tank movies, I, I love a good tank movie, but when it comes to tank movies in recent years, I think of Fury, which is a great movie, and we'll watch it at some point. But this one is is so much more confined, so much more grimy and and dirty i mean and, and you don't get me wrong fury's a dirty grimy movie too but like this one just maybe because of the lower budget because of the fact that they're confined to the tank it's a much more claustrophobic experience a much more maybe intense experience um it it, it it's wonderful it's a great movie it's it's in, it's it can be hard to watch but i mean it's worth watching it is uh, even if you're not a fan maybe of Israel or its government or its actions, I, I don't want that to take away from what a fantastic movie this is and what a uh, 
you know, it, it, ultimately it is an anti-war piece, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's clearly not, <laughs> you know, sitting up there and screaming like, yay, Israel. It's no. it's just showing what happened and what this guy went through. And that's what I want from a war movie. I want those experiences. I want it real. I want it grounded. And this one fucking delivers, Brendan. Yeah. And I mean, it's another situation like Platoon where you've got a guy who made this movie who was there. So yeah. like, what can you really say? Like, we, I yeah. mean, you could say like, well, maybe he's embellishing. I mean, maybe, but like, really, this is a pretty solid source to take it from. Um, yeah. Especially because he's. And I appreciate that. Yeah, especially because he's not trying to go too far with it either. He's saying this is my experience. He's not saying these are all the politics behind it, and this is my complicated view on all of it. No, he's saying this is my actual experience being in this dirty, grimy dangerous war this conflict that was that was they clearly people weren't prepared for as much as they should have been it seems like it anyway um yeah so yeah i, it is, I mean you could consider this an israeli platoon in in that sense yeah. of like of that type of movie yeah like it's not well no i was gonna say it's not quite no i would say it's up there as far as being like a disturbing war movie because there's this one surprised me too, uh, Jason, and not only the not only quality wise, but also just like it, it's it just surprised me with how, fe- how effective and how disturbing it was. Now, when I when I realized we were going to be in a tank the whole time, I said, "Okay, I'm ha- I have high hopes now because claustrophobic kind of movies like this, when done right, are done are are some of my favorite things. Like, there's a movie with Ryan Reynolds called Buried, and it's wonderful." Um, and it's just him in a grave, the whole movie. Uh, now, in that movie, there are like flashbacks and stuff where they do break it up a little bit. But I feel like it'd be much harder to just take place in the grave for 90 minutes in that movie. There, at least there's a little bit of movement in the tank and more than one character. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I also think this movie's really great. And, and I went into this thinking like, you know, eh, maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll be on, maybe it won't. I don't know if I'm going to keep it around. I can't see a reason to get rid of it. I think it's a, a solid movie to have on this list, especially especially that it's tackling a war like this, which is definitely underrepresented. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if we see any more movies from this particular conflict on the list. Yeah, and we're definitely not going to see any more World War II films, right? No, certainly there, not. No, we've already done a real all. dearth of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I would. I I think I think we're both in agreement. I think Lebanon is looking like a pretty strong fit here. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely going to be up there on this list. I think its current rating is probably too low. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty far down. It's like seventy one, I think. So, mm. well then. Now that we've done that, Jason, we we've, we've done so far um, eight movies on the list on the actual yeah. list. But now uh, I know you, you want, you, this is a, a little mini, a little mini series, a little side quest you suggested. We're going to start with the first one. So why don't you explain to the folks where we're going next? So for this run of movies, I wanted us to have a different kind of segment involved. And one of the things that I thought would be interesting would be to look at different cinematic interpretations of the same event and its effects. So what we're going to focus on for the series is the uh, assassination of uh, uh, Reinhard Heydrich. Now, I don't know if you know, if you, the listener, know much about Reinhard Heydrich. He was the uh, he was basically one of like the most Nazi Nazis you could imagine, uh, often described as the architect of the Holocaust. Um, he was the guy that kind of led the the Vansi conference about what the final solution was going to be. 
So we are going to talk about his death. Um, he died. He was assassinated in uh, uh, Czechoslovakia in 1942, I think, by partisans. So we're going to watch a bunch of different movies about that event and its fallout. Um, but we're going to start next week with not an event, not about his assassination, but an event to kind of set up the character of, of Reinhard Heydrich. So we're going to watch 2001's HBO film Conspiracy, starring the great Kenneth Branagh as Heydrich and a bunch of other fun people, including the Tooch himself, Stanley Tooch. Colin Firth, Tom Hiddleston. Colin Firth. Yeah. We got a, we got a good cast here. So wait, is this part uh, of the Loki-verse? Mm, uh, well, I don't know. Was Loki did Loki serve in the Nazi government? Well, I mean, well, Loki did time jump though, so that's I'm true. Just... And and you know the Nazis did love the Norse gods, like they were uh, they were they were quite rega- well regarded. So you never oh, know. Kevin Feige, please don't repurpose this movie into the MCU. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know that Reinhard Heydrich should be in the MCU. No, even as a villain, <laughs> I think it's a little far. Yeah, a little far. Yeah. So this this movie is basically a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I remember really liking it. So we're going to talk about it next week, and we're going to start our series of diving into Hadric. All right, and I've never seen it, so I'm looking for. I'm I'm curious about it. I know it's not going to be a a fun watch, folks. Uh, if you're watching this one for the podcast, uh, brace yourselves. I'm sure. Um, it, a, a little a little a uh, little tough one a little tough one next week, but uh, you'll be okay. We 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 know you're going to be yeah. fine. We trust, we trust you. We know you can don't worry, this. We know you're big, big kids. I was going to say, don't worry. We'll have some fun the following week, but I'm just looking now and maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. So we'll talk about conspiracy. Like Jason said, 2001. Um, if you have a uh, crave in Canada, I believe you can watch it there. Um, and if you're in the States, you might be able to watch it on Ma- H. What is it called now? Just Max. Just Max. Yeah. Uh, it after- may be there if they didn't take it down yeah. anyways. And then just not to confuse people. Um, that my you can't watch it. Uh, you can't lend it or borrow it from my dog Max. That's just no. The streaming your dog service. Max. He's a lovely boy, but he he's not much for movies. No, he doesn't own a copy of Conspiracy. He he does own a copy of Downfall. So when we get to that, if you want to borrow that, just let me know. Um, I've also seen him reading Mein Kampf lately, and you might want to have a talk with him. I mean, he laughs while he's doing it, so it's probably fine, right? Yeah, you know what? He's probably all right. Okay, but that's it. So. Follow us. Find us. We're on everywhere. We're on all the places. I can't talk right now because Jason and I uh, had some fun setting up the uh, te- technology tonight. So we're, t- we're just a little longer than usual, but it's okay. We're doing great. We're doing fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Jason's fine. We're all fine here. <laughs> right? How are you? <laughs> um, so check us out on Age of Radio. We're at uh, ageofradio.org slash for screen. And Gundre. Or you can find us on any podcast app. Just search for us there. We're also on Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter at FSACpod, as in for screen. And country. Podcast. Uh, Jason, uh, we're going to see that new uh, Twitter icon soon, I'm sure. But uh, for now, I guess, <laughs> where can they find you on the Twitter? You can find us over at X, making X's all day long. Uh, we are, I, I, I'm over there at Jason D. McLeod, that is M-A-C-L-E-O-D, and we are at FSAC Pod. I already mentioned that one, but thank you for reemphasizing. I know, I just want to reinforce it to people because it can yeah. be hard to remember. F-S-A-C Pod. Yes, and Jason, 
McLeod on Twitter is, is not both of us. It's not a joint Twitter account. It's just Jason. No, it's just me. Just the, just my thoughts, my my views, my dreams. The views of Jason do not necessarily reflect the views of Brendan, but I will say uh, we're pretty close in terms of politics. So maybe it's yeah, we're we're kind we're kind of in the same area. <laughs> it's not far off. Um, so on that note, that's it. Thank you for listening. Um, I guess. Uh, do you have anything you want to say as we uh, as we wrap up this episode, Jason? Well, Brendan, I think I would like to say to you, mm-hmm. God save the king. Beware my spiked wing. And for screening country, I'm Jason. Ka-ka! And that's Brendan with his spiked wing. That's dangerous, man. What are you gonna do? Anyways, we'll see you next week. Thank you.